I have a question. Uh, do you pray? Do you pray? Of course you pray. Of course you pray. But do you pray correctly? That's a head scratcher there, right? Make you think about it. You might want to save your response till after you hear this message. <laughs> do you pray like Jesus? That's the title of the message. Do you pray like Jesus? Do you experience God's presence when you pray? Do you know God's will when you pray? Do you live by his power after you pray? That's how Jesus prayed. That's how Jesus prayed. For over a year now, I've been preaching through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and harmonizing them and showing you the life of Jesus. And we're at the end of his life, the end of his ministry. is three and a half years on earth uh, of, of ministry. He lived 33 years, but three and a half years he did ministry. And at the end, we're, very, we're at the very end here, and we're going to lead this all the way up into Easter uh, and through June. But at the end of his earthly life, we see Jesus is once again teaching us about prayer. He taught about prayer several times, but he's teaching us again about prayer. And if your prayer life could use a little boost, then you pick the right Sunday to come to church. By the way, every Sunday is the right Sunday to come to Life of Purpose Church. Just saying. But if you would like to get closer to God, if you want to know his plan for your life, if you want to live with his power, you need to pray like Jesus. He's your model. He's always our model. He's all, our eyes are always on him. How do you pray like Jesus? I want to show you that today. I hope it will be a blessing for you. And I always try to uh, begin my message with prayer to get our hearts right, to get our minds set, and ask God to bless us. And when I say, will you pray with me, uh, I notice that most of us, our, our posture for prayer is to bow our heads, close our eyes, and cross our hands. It's probably how you teach your children to pray. And so I'm asking you for this prayer to do something a little differently as I pray, just to hold your hands out with your palms up, and you can close your eyes, and you can put your head any way you want, down or up, it doesn't matter. But put, put your hands out, palms up, and I'll pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us with this church, with your word, with all of these wonderful people to come together to worship you. Father, I pray that we could receive from you your word, what you want us to hear, what you want us to know, what you want us to see, so that we can honor you and glorify you in all we do. Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray that you would use me today to teach it, and to teach it well. As John the Baptist said, I will become less, so you can become more. And I pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. And if you prayed with your palms up for the very first time, congratulations. You're on your way to praying like Jesus. Was it a new thing for some of you? Was it a strange thing to pray like that? Is there a wrong way to pray? That's a question sometimes people ask. Is there a wrong way to pray? Am I doing this right? You know, how do I pray? I, I thought of about eight mistakes I think people make when they pray. Eight mistakes 
is it all the mistakes? No, there's probably 1,800 more. I don't know. But I came up with eight mistakes, and you just want you to think about this, because I think that there are, there's a right way to pray, and there's a wrong way to pray. Uh, mistakes we make. Number one, worrying about our posture. Number two, asking for what you want, not what God wants for you. Number three, only asking, not praising, thanking, confessing, worshiping in prayer. Number four, reciting other prayers without thinking about the words. Number five, using all the right words, but not the right heart. Number six, only praying and never fasting. Number seven, praying without the Holy Spirit. And lastly, praying to the God of your image, the God you want him to be. I've made all those mistakes. I confess that. And you probably have too. And that's okay. It's okay that you've prayed that way, but it's not okay to keep praying that way. We have to correct it when we know the truth. And I'm not going to give you Matt's way of praying. I'm giving you Jesus' way of praying. So you can pray like Jesus. I want you to pray like him. And so I'm going to talk to you about how Jesus prayed. And then at the end of this, we're going to spend a little time in prayer. Silently. Don't worry, I won't ask anybody to pray out loud. That might be the biggest fear. It might be like speaking in public, <laughs> right? Dying and then praying out loud. I mean, it's like, you ever ask someone to pray out loud? And no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But how do we pray like Jesus? First of all, we have to understand what was prayer to Jesus. It was a relationship with his father. That's what prayer was. It's a relationship with his father. It was a time to connect with God. The Gospels don't record Jesus only praying and asking his Father for things. Like, there's nothing written down where it says, you know, Jesus praying, you know, God, Father, uh, I, I'm really going to need some uh, extra money this month because we're going to be traveling around Galilee a little bit more than usual, and um, I'm just going to need you to give me a little extra money. I'm going to need you to give me some extra patience because these disciples are driving me nuts right now. They're always arguing. So give me a little extra patience. And um, I'm going to need a little extra healing power, Father, because um, Lazarus just died and we're going to do something a little new this time. He didn't pray like that. His prayers were not all about asking. It was about spending time with his Father, time to connect. We pray like that, though. Oh, God, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need a little bit of that, and a little bit, I need, I need, I need, I need. We ask, we ask, we ask, we ask. But that's not all that we're told to do. It's a time to connect with our Father. Jesus often prayed alone so that he could connect with God. Praying alone is something important. Jesus did that. Luke 5, 16. I bring up some of the verses you can mark them down in your notes if you want in your program, or you can flip to them in your Bible. But in Luke 5, 16, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. He, he prayed alone a lot of times. And he taught us to pray alone. He says in Matthew 6, 6, the famous sermon on the mount, when you pray, 
He says, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Prayer was a time for Jesus to connect with God, and it's a time for us to connect with God. So we go and we, in our private place, I'm sure many of you do that. You, you have your prayer closets, your war rooms, and you pray with, with God. And, and it's a time where you relate to him. Do you remember when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray? I mean, these are, these are young men that were walking with Jesus. So if you've ever asked that question, like, I'd like to know how to pray, how do I pray? Don't, you're not alone. The disciples were with Jesus. They saw Jesus pray, but yet they still asked, how do we do this? How, what, what? Well, what did Jesus do? He said some words. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And for 2,000 years, people have been reciting those exact words over and over and over and over again. But my question is, are the words of the Lord's Prayer what really matters? Are the words of the Lord's Prayer what really matters? You know what I find very interesting? Are the two verses before Jesus said those words. Check this out, Matthew 6, verse 7. Jesus said, as he observed the religious leaders in, the, in the, the way they prayed, they would pray publicly, and they would pray out in the open, and they would pray long, um, very, you know, using all the right words kind of prayers. In verse 7, he says, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think they will be heard for their many words. And today, I would say, if you're reciting prayers that are in the Bible, or maybe prayers from from a, a, a church that you went to for a long time growing up that you learned as a kid, if you're reciting prayers and you're never thinking about the words you're saying, aren't, isn't that empty phrases? Isn't that exactly what Jesus is talking about here? It is. So why then did he say these words? Why did Jesus say these words? And then we look at verse 8, it's the key. He says, don't be like them, your father knows what you need before you ask him. If God knows what we need before we even ask him, why should we even have to pray then? Doesn't that beckon that question? Why pray then? Because it's about the relationship. God knows what you need. God knows your sin. Confession isn't alerting God of what he doesn't know. It's confirming with God what he already knows. So when we pray, it's a time to spend with God. Precious time. And when we go to the Lord in prayer, what posture should we have? This was fun, researching this and, and seeing in the scripture, in the gospels, how Jesus prayed. What was his posture? In Luke 9, you might recall the story of Jesus going up on the mountain of transfiguration. He was transfigured. His glory was shown. He, he appeared with Moses and Elijah. And it says that he stood with them and prayed. In John 17, we have the high priestly prayer. Verse 1, I show you on the screen, verse 1. Jesus spoke these words. He was with his disciples. He was going to the cross, and he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, the Father the hour has come, glorify your son, 
that the Son may glorify you. He stood, his eyes up, almost like that, that picture that, that I have on the, um, you know, praying like Jesus. We go back to the title slide, you know, the picture. I mean, that's, that's to me, John 17, 1. He's standing. He's looking up to God. I look up to God to, to praise him, to give thanksgiving to him. When, when, when my heart is in that, that mode, or, or you might have your hands out when you sing, there's a couple of you that love to put your hands up, and I think that's wonderful. My wife is back here, and she raises her hand, modeling, praising God, thanking God. Your song is your prayer. But then Jesus kneels. He got down on his knees, and sometimes he, he got down face down, which we say is prostrate, which i got to be careful. I always say that word, pro, not your prostate. It's prostrate. <laughs> Face down, as if you're begging God, pleading God for, to God. And when did Jesus do that? Two places. Well, it's really the same, but it's in the two different Gospels. In Luke 22, verse 41, it says that he's in the Mount of Olives before he goes to the cross. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and it says he knelt down and he prayed. And if you keep reading, you'll see that he prayed so intensely that his capillaries burst and he sweat blood. In Matthew 26, Matthew records that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so I looked this up. I wanted to understand, are these different places? And no, the Garden of Gethsemane is in the Mount of Olives. It's at the base of the mount. So here it is in Matthew 26, going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed. And he prayed that famous prayer, my father, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus stood and prayed. Jesus kneeled and prayed. Eyes up on the father, eyes down, bowing to the father. You can pray either way. But if you say to yourself, okay, I'd really like to kneel and pray, but you know what, Pastor, my knees are shot, man. I don't think if I got down there I could get back up. I got good news for you. You can sit and bow, because that's what King David did in 2 Samuel. You'll see that if you look it up, chapter 7. Lots of ways we see in Scripture people pray. The tax collector, remember we talking about him recently? And the proud Pharisee, the tax collector, stood from a distance. The proud Pharisee, you know, he was all pious. The tax collector stood from a distance, almost as if his hands were shackled, begging, head down, beating his chest. Moses and Aaron fell face down to the, before the Lord when the glory overshadowed them. Ezekiel fell face down when he was grieving, and the Lord heard him and blessed him. And the Levites, the, 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 the priestly tribe, we're called in Numbers, or First Chronicles, to stand every morning and thank and praise the Lord. And they did the same thing in the evening. And Paul exhorts Timothy and all men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands. Does your posture matter? You can kneel and you can bow your head with your eyes closed. You can stand and look up with your eyes open. You can sit. You can walk. You can even drive your car and pray. Eyes open, of course. 
the posture that matters is the posture of your heart. Because when your heart is right, your body language will follow. When your heart is right, body language will just follow it. So that's the posture that matters when it comes to praying like Jesus. And then there is the issue of asking. We all just know how to ask, don't we? Let's ask God for what we need. We're called to do that. Matthew 7, 7. Jesus said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. You're called to ask. You're, you're told to ask. But have you ever asked and not received? You ever seek God with all your heart but didn't get what you hoped for? You ever knock really, really long time? God, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And you didn't get it? Why is that? Well, there's lots of reasons that sometimes God only knows. But there is one reason that we don't like to talk about too much. And James, that's Jesus' kid brother, he grew up with Jesus. He probably knows a little thing about prayer. Imagine sitting at the dinner table with Jesus. Everybody takes their turn praying, and like Jesus prays, and then you have to pray. I mean, that, that's like Michael Jordan going up for a dunk, and then Matt Trombley goes up for a dunk. It's just not the same. But James knew something about prayer. And he said, when you pray, James 4.3, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So when we ask for things that God doesn't really want to give us, we just want it because we want it. It's for us. Selfish reasons. We're adjusting on the fly here, I think. So what should you ask for? What, what is it okay to ask for? And John tells us this in 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have towards him. If we ask anything, and I underlined it so you wouldn't miss it, and you can just leave this right up there, according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the request. That's the key. That's the part that everybody likes to skip over. If we ask according to his will, well, then you think to yourself, okay, I'm going to go to God in prayer, and I'm going to ask, and I'm going to ask for his will, his plan. And then you scratch your head, and you're like, but I don't know his plan. How am I going to know his plan? That's the beauty of prayer. When you spend time with God, and when you do what I will tell you to do at the end of this, you will know God, and you will know his will. Romans 12.2 says, if you uh, renew your mind, God will transform it, and you will know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Some of you are thinking, okay, 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 but I know there's this one scripture that says, I can pray in Jesus' name, and I'll get what I want. Can I just pray in Jesus' name, and I get what I want? What scripture is that? John 14, Jesus' own words, verse 13 and 14. He said, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. The Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Magic words. You grew up, and you asked your mom or your dad for a cookie. And they said to you, what's the magic word? And you said, oh, you know the magic word. 
and you got the cookie. Is God in heaven holding out your cookie, saying, what's the magic word? In Jesus' name. Now give me. Is that what Jesus was saying? Is that what he meant there? That would be name it and claim it theology, and there's tons of churches that are teaching Christians that today, and it's terrible theology. Terrible. Name it and claim it. In Jesus' name, give me a Corvette. No, I'm sorry. In Jesus' name, give me a Crestliner, about 18-foot boat with 150 horsepower. Ah. No, don't do that. That is wrong. It doesn't work like that. God gives you what he wants you to have. And he gives it to you at exactly the time you need it. That's the definition of grace. That's grace. God's grace, giving you what you need at exactly the time that you need it. So praying in Jesus' name, that's not going to improve your chances of getting what you want. Just a heads up. And actually, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about what it means to pray in Jesus' name, because if you actually knew what it meant, you, be, you might think twice before you pray in Jesus' name. I'll teach it to you right now. It means that you want the very best outcome regardless of the path to get there. And get this, Jesus said, verse 13, or 14, yeah, 13 actually, whatever you ask in my name I will do so the Father will be glorified in the Son. He said those words on Thursday, and he died on Friday. And he didn't die just a, a, a normal, uh, non-painful death. He died an excruciating death on the cross that caused him great suffering. And you might think, well, wow, that kind of, you, why would he say that to his disciples? Pray in my name? Drop my name, boys. Do a little name dropping. See what happens. But then he's, de he's dead. He's not here anymore. Why did Jesus have to suffer? You may have asked that question before in your life. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, first of all, there's only been one good person, and that's Jesus. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and thankfully, Jesus paved the way for our salvation. We're sinners. I'm a sinner. I have messed up. I have broken fellowship with God. But now, because of Jesus, I'm a saved sinner. By the blood of Jesus. By the suffering of my Lord and Savior. Are you a saved sinner? Raise your hand if you're a saved sinner. Now high five that person next to you. That's right. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can save you. He had to suffer. So what does it mean when he says to pray in my name, in Jesus' name? It means that if you want the very best outcome, you have to understand the path that it takes to get there. And the best outcome for us was salvation. But it required the worst suffering by our Savior. So think about that when you pray in Jesus' name. A few more things about praying like Jesus. Jesus taught in the end here, Luke 18, that it's okay to ask God more than once. In fact, he encourages you to keep asking. And he tells this little story about uh, a widow. In verse 1 he says, um, you ought to pray and not lose heart. Verse 2, Luke 18, 
there was a certain city with a judge who didn't fear God or respect man. And there was a widow, verse 3, who kept coming to this judge and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while the judge refused, but afterward he said to himself, I don't really fear God, I don't really respect man, but this widow keeps bothering me, and I'm going to give her justice so she'll stop bugging me. And the Lord said, you hear what the unrighteous judge says? And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find the faith of this woman on the earth? You see, this woman knew the only person who could help her situation was this unjust judge. Have you gotten to that place in your life, in your situation, where you know the only one who can help you is God? Because when you get to that place, you're in the right place. That's the prayer that God wants to hear. God, you're the only one. I can't fix it. Nobody else can fix it. You have to fix it. You have to help me. I need you. I always say when the end of your rope, uh, at the end of your rope is where God's beginning. That's the place you need to be. Be persistent in your prayer with God. And then we need to pray together. It's one thing to pray alone, and Jesus certainly did that, and he modeled that, but he also prayed with his disciples. And he taught his disciples the importance of the church praying together. In fact, he taught it in such a way that they couldn't forget it. It happened at the beginning of his three-and-a-half-year ministry, and it happened at the end. And the Gospels record both cases. The beginning he did it, at the end he did it again, Matthew 21, as I'm showing you the end of his ministry. At the end of his ministry, verse 12, Jesus entered the temple. The temple was the holy place where they were to meet with God. And he drove out those that were selling and buying, overturned the tables of the money changers, seats of those who sold pigeons, and he said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a place of profit. That's what they did to the church. And today, churches are messing it up again. They're turning the church into something it's not supposed to be. You may have been in a church where you felt it was, it was so rote, it was so um, ritualistic that you, you just couldn't even... Uh, worship God. Sit, stand, kneel, repeat. Sit, stand, kneel, repeat. Or you might have been to a, a church that felt more like a concert with all the movie clips. A warning to you, if your church, if the church gives out complimentary earplugs, you might be in the wrong place. If they got more movie clips than Bible verses, you're probably in the wrong place. This is what we've turned church into. It's supposed to be, as Jesus said, a place of prayer, a place to meet with God, to get closer to God, to worship and to pray with other Christians. We need to be a church that prays together because churches that pray together stay together. Families that pray together stay together. Would you rather have five people praying for you or 55 people praying for you? I want the 55. I want a church, I want to be a part of a church that prays for one another. 
that loves one another. And life of purpose is a house of prayer. Now, every time I preach on prayer, which I've done many times in the 15 years that I've been preaching, every time I do it, I feel like I open up a can of worms. Because I study, and it just goes, and then it's like, I can't talk about all of this. How am I going to talk about all of this? And then I ended up just, and I realized something about preaching on prayer. And by the way, you can order book after book. There's thousands of books on prayer. Here's what I know, though. Here's what I feel strongly about. You can learn and learn and learn about prayer. But I think you need to follow Nike's slogan and just do it. Just do it. Just pray. Just pray. And we need to do that more often. We need to pray. And we need to pray like Jesus. And I showed you today how Jesus prayed. I, I, I hope I, I, I fixed some of those maybe mistakes there, or, or maybe you weren't really thinking they're mistakes. You just thought, well, this is, guess what, I learned from somebody else, or I saw somebody else do this, and that's what I've been doing. And and maybe it was helpful, I hope it was helpful for you, but I want you to pray like Jesus, and I think my last point is probably the most practical and the most helpful, because it's how I like to pray. It's how I pray like Jesus, and it is to pray through the Word, to pray through the Bible. What does that mean exactly? How do you pray through the Word? How do you pray through the Word? Well, you pray as you read God's Word. And I don't want to make an assumption, but I'm going to assume you read your Bible. And when you read your Bible, I'm encouraging you to pray as you read your Bible. And I think you should take it one verse at a time. And I want to model it for you, and I'll give you the opportunity to do it. But I'm going to take the, the Lord's Prayer, since we, we've already been talking about the Lord's Prayer, and many of you know the Lord's Prayer, and and, and I, I, I remember I memorized the Lord's Prayer, and it wasn't necessarily uh, memorizing it in church. It was actually I memorized it because my basketball coach was Catholic, and he made us say it before every game. So after playing for him for three years, I just memorized the Lord's Prayer. Um, I knew the words, but I didn't really understand the meaning. I didn't really think about the words. I just said the words. So when you read the words, and you go verse by verse, and you pray through the word, you're going to know God, you're going to hear his will for your life, the spirit is going to speak to you, you're going to feel his presence, and you're going to live by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life when you pray through his word. And you do it consistently. So the, the, the first uh, verse that you would read is, and the prayer is, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Stop right there. And just think about that. And just pray based on what you, there's so much right there, you might pray for 10 minutes. Or you might pray for 10 seconds. And then read the next verse. But when I read our Father, wait a minute. We have a Father. A Father. Some of us have some major Father wounds. But we have a Father who loves us unconditionally. And you could just spend some time praying and thanking our Father. I have a Father who loves me unconditionally. And you could just spend some time praying that and praising him and worshiping him. And he lives in heaven. 
And in heaven, oh my, you could spend some time in prayer on heaven. Couldn't you? He created all things. And then, hallowed be thy name. Holy is the word. Holy is his name. And when you read in scripture, you read all of these names for God. Elohim, Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh. And you could just think about those names that you know about God and you could pray on those names. And that might be 10 seconds or 10 minutes or somewhere in between. And if you're done praying on that verse, then you move on. And when your mind wanders, because mine does that all the time when I pray, then you know it's time to move on. Either you're done or your mind is done, and then you come back to the verse, and you read the next verse. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I think about God's kingdom versus our current government, whoa, that just prompts me to pray for our leaders to pray for what's going on in our country, to to just pray for those. We need to bring heaven to earth quickly because things are gone to hell in a handbasket, as they say. Pray. That's what I would be praying for as I read that verse. And so now you try it. I'm going to read the next verse, and then I'm just going to have you pray silently. And I'm just going to let it be quiet for about 30 seconds. It's going to feel like an eternity for some of you. But it's just 30 seconds. And then I'll say the next part. And then you pray again. We'll just do two verses and then I'll say amen. And just, just take the time and just pray through the word. Are you ready? All right. Any way you want to stand, sit, kneel bow your heads, close your eyes, hands up, whatever you want to do, it don't matter. What matters is the posture of your heart. So you're ready. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. Amen. I love praying through the Word, and I want to encourage you to do that because when you continue to pray through His Word, you will know God more. 
You'll know his plan for your life. You'll experience his presence. And you'll live by his power. And that's really what we want, isn't it? We want to get closer to God. We want to know him. We want to live and do his will. And I would tell you that um, you can do, do this if you want to know where to start. Maybe you already have a reading plan, but if you don't know where to start, start in the Psalms. There's 150 Psalms. There's songs to God. And sometimes you'll read a verse and it won't, nothing will click. That's okay. Go on to the next verse. But just pray through the word, pray through each one, and you'll be blessed. You will, you will, you will, your prayer life will never be the same. I promise you. And I want you to pray like Jesus. I want you to pray like Jesus and pray through the word. I invite our team to come up and to play our final song. And as you sing this song, as you spend time in prayer, think about his grace and his forgiveness. Because the the joy that we have in knowing that God gives us what we need at exactly the time we need it, and that he will forgive you no matter what you've done, no matter what's happened in your life, God will forgive you because of his son, Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him. If you need prayer during this song, you can come forward, you can stay in your seat after service. Our prayer team will